Welcome to The Fully Lived Life, a podcast for those who are longing to pursue the full life and want to break free from anything that holds them back. Listen in as two friends, a psychologist, Dr. Mary, and a life coach, Jillian, talk about life, love, and purpose through the lens of faith, science, psychology, and life experiences. Well, good morning, Mary. Good morning, Jillian. Do you have your defense mechanisms on today? Oh, <laughs> Always. I've got yeah. my armor on. That's right. I feel like I've got a full suit of defense mechanisms <laughs> at the ready. Oh, I know. Anyway, you can see where we're going with this, listeners. Today, we are talking about defense mechanisms. Yeah. And how we self-deceive. Oh, we're really not deceiving. <laughs> Um, anyone else but ourselves. Yes. To cope with discomfort. So, wow, this is a good one. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I think I'm an overachiever in this area. (laughs) (laughs) So um, this is a really good follow-up to our podcast on telling ourselves the truth. We're going to go through some of the more common defense mechanisms, Mm. and we'll also share which of the Enneagram types tend to rely on them. Yes. So listen in. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and by the way, although we're going to be talking about them from the standpoint of, of a particular number, hey, we have access to all of them. Hey, you can pick and choose <laughs> you your own bouquet. You can pick and choose your own You've bouquet. got a bouquet of defense mechanisms. <laughs> yeah. So this is just a generalization to help you as you listen to tune into ones that might be more uh, in line with your Enneagram type. But uh, like I said... You it's can, kind of like going to the bulk barn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of this, a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we are trying to uh, avoid avoidance being a really good defense mechanism to talk about it by just continuing talking about. Now I'm thinking about candy. When I know. I just mentioned bulk barn. Yes. Okay. So let's dive in. Yes. Let's dive in. So uh, l- uh, what are defense mechanisms? And I'm going to call them DMs for short as I go through. Not BMs. No, please articulate well. But I think it actually is kind of like BM. They pretty much are. Yeah. They're crappy. They're crappy. But you know what? Okay. So there there are these strategies that we use, and they're done by our unconscious mind. It's not like I wake up in the morning and kind of go, well, today I want to use repression. Or, you know, it's just an unconscious way to help us cope with difficult emotions, with anxiety, unacceptable impulses. And it's kind of the way that our mind uh, denies or distorts or manipulates reality to help us cope. And it can also be a protective thing. To- it is totally protective. So I'm just thinking about my hubby, mm-hmm. who when he was young, they moved around a lot, which yeah. meant he had to start off at different schools all the time. Yes. And so um, what he would do as a defense mechanism would be the good boy, the nice boy, mm-hmm. get along with everybody boy, yeah. right? Yeah. And just to be able to fit in. Mm-hmm. So that has become a defense mechanism for him. Exactly. And he's aware of it now. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, defense mechanisms aren't inherently bad. Um, they came into our life for a purpose. Uh, like our shadow self did, to protect us. I mean, it is there to protect us. And for some listeners who've experienced uh, trauma and uh, abuse, I mean, they literally might have helped you live, survive. Okay. Really uh, important. And even today, we use them to help us navigate some things that's really painful and even channel our energy towards productivity. Um, but so they become problematic when they're applied too frequently or too long, especially when it's out of our awareness and we're actually being controlled by that. And, you know, we've talked about this uh, from the standpoint of the Enneagram, that we all have a certain 
image that we want to project into the world. And so our defense mechanisms can step in when something we're experiencing doesn't align up with that. So if I see myself as always really helpful, I might kind of deny uh, if I'm actually angry with somebody because of that. Right? Okay. That makes sense? Yeah. Okay. So in most cases, these psychological responses are not under a person's conscious control. So it doesn't mean that, it means that you don't decide what you do when you do. Uh, having said that, as we become more and more aware of it, then we can start to say, hey, I'm going to choose not to do that. All right. So here's a few common defense mechanisms, and I'm going to kind of give a bit of a description of it, and then we'll talk about where the Enneagram might fit into that. So one of our favorites. Denial. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's probably one of the most common defense mechanisms. I think all of us have done it to some point in our life. Um, it occurs when you refuse to accept reality. <laughs> we have our own version of reality. And so we can block these external events or circumstances from our minds so that we don't have to deal with the emotional impact. In other words, we kind of just avoid the painful feelings or events. And, um, you know, it's actually one of the probably the most widely known. The phrase they're in denial right. <laughs> is very common because that person is avoiding reality. Even no, I'm not. It's ob- <laughs> <laughs> so obvious. So it is a common one for any grimmates. Yeah. Right. We like to deny our vulnerability, mm-hmm. any weaknesses that we have. Yeah. Um, so what we'll do is we'll put on the suit of armor. Yes. Look like we're impenetrable. Yeah. And then go about our business and people think we are not marshmallows. Yeah. Well, not even just go about your business. You actually push yourself beyond your limitations because you deny that to yourself. That's right. And the other thing too is that people then don't see us Mm. as being vulnerable or needing needing others, needing help, needing assistance uh, because we come off that we don't. Mm -hmm. And then we... Because of our defense mechanisms, we push people away. Right. So our needs of connection are never getting met. Exactly. Yeah. And that's a really good description of what happens with a defense mechanism. So it's protective, mm-hmm. but then in the end of the day, it could actually harm you and harm your goals because it's actually preventing you from moving forward with what you would want to actually have. Exactly. All right. So denial. And everybody in the room, raise your hand if you struggle <laughs> with denial. Yeah. Um, the next one is repression. And that's where you actually push down any unsavory negative thoughts, any painful memories, any beliefs that can upset you. Uh, So instead of facing them, you actually consciously choose to hide them. So you kind of just push it down and you kind of hope that you forget. So it's not that you aren't aware of them initially. It's just that once you feel it, you just push it right down and you repress it. Um, and the hopes that it goes away. But unfortunately, with repression, or another word sometimes is suppression, is that the memories uh, don't go away. They no. kind of stay there. And they can influence your behavior. They can actually be the triggers that cause you to act in ways that you kind of look, what the heck happened? So, like, for me, when I think about times where I, I'm, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm fine, I'm fine. Then all of a sudden, I'm like, ah! And this big, strong trigger, big reaction happens. Yeah, it's probably this repression. And there's some unresolved um, pain or anger that I have pushed down. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this is a common one for Enneagram 2s. Yeah. Because they are really good at repressing their own needs and their own emotions. Yeah. And I'll often push you, you know, like, how are you doing? I know. 
And you, um, you'll say, what do you need? I'm like, uh, I don't know. They, yeah. And I'll say, can, and I'll, if I'm giving you something, I'll say, would you please accept this? Yes. <laughs> uh, because you don't think you need it or deserve it. Right. And Mary, I'm, I'm so glad that you walked us through um, in a previous episode, your not enoughness, mm. because you were able to see how you were suppressing and repressing mm-hmm. so many, so much pain yeah. and trauma and um, racism mm-hmm. that sort of came to a head, Yeah, you know, at, at one point in your life mm-hmm. um, recently. Mm-hmm. And you were able to see how that was at work in you. Yeah. So thanks for sharing that story yeah. because it was very important for us to listen to. Well, thanks for affirming that because for somebody who is a repression recoverer, uh, it was um, it was scary, but at the same time, I wanted to do it because I wanted to give our listeners permission to kind of deal with that. Right. Um, but when I look back, it's true. Like I had no choice but to repress it because I could not control others. I could not change reality, and that's how I coped. So uh, people who deal with uh, traumatic backgrounds tend to use repression a lot uh, because as kids, it's just very difficult to deal with some of the 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 challenges of what you've had to face. So that's um, Jillian's and mine favorite (laughs) DMs of choice. The next one is projection. So it might be feelings or thoughts, especially negative ones that you actually have about another person and it makes you uncomfortable. So rather than owning them, you project those feelings to the other person and you misattribute that to the other person. So just as an example, maybe you don't like your new coworker. But instead of accepting that, you choose to tell yourself that they don't like you. Right. So you see in their actions the things that you wish you could do or say. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, this is very common one for Enneagram sixes. Yeah. Um, and I see it in coaching all the time. Mm-hmm. They feel an, an emotion and they'll look outside of themselves. Right. To have it validated. Yes. And they don't see themselves in terms of their own authority and strength, Mm -hmm. uh, they'll be very harsh on themselves. Yes. Um, So they're even projecting their goodness onto others, not even just their bad That's right. Yes. And their competence and their smartness and Mm. all those things. Yeah, that makes me sad. I mean, I'm married to a six and I look at him as he's so capable and competent and kind and he's got so many great traits, but he doesn't see that about himself. Right. And yet he can readily see in others. He projects it. So yeah, that's the thing with projection. It's not just the negative feelings, but it can also be even your good qualities. Right. Um, And then there's displacement. And that's where you have these strong emotions and frustrations towards a situation. But instead of dealing with it in that situation, you'll project it towards another person or an object that doesn't feel as threatening. So it allows you to satisfy that impulse to react, but you don't risk any significant consequences. So uh, I could be angry at somebody and I come home and I'm slamming the drawers and stomping around. And that feels good. And that feels good. And then, you know, I, I, I stumble over my husband's shoes and then I get mad at him and it just feels good. But unfortunately, uh, I'm causing havoc around me. People start to walk around eggshells around me. And meanwhile, I'm not dealing actually with the source yeah. of the problem. And we see that in Enneagram 9s because they actually use this to avoid conflict. Mm. But, you know, when I'm coaching a nine and my husband's a nine, uh, what I'll say is that, you know, you're not dealing with the conflict that needs to be resolved 
most of the time you're bringing it inside. Yes. And you're in conflict with yourself. Oh, good one. Because that's actually, in fact, another displacement. So we may displace it to other people, but actually... How often do we displace it to ourselves? We're actually mad at somebody else, but we'll be mad at ourselves. That's right. Yeah. Or be very hard on ourselves. Yes. And in turmoil within. Right. Yeah. So again, it helped you survive, but then you're punishing yourself in this process. Okay. Uh, Next is rationalization. So you might attempt to explain... Uh, maybe a less than stellar behavior with your own set of facts. Like my overspending on things. Yeah. That are bright and shiny and new. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it allows you to feel comfortable with the choice you made, even if you know at some level it's not right. Well, it was on sale, Mary. (laughs) Of course. You know, I love coming home from a good sale and I tell my husband, the first thing I say is, do you know how much money I saved you? (laughs) But on the other hand, I see um, some men I know like buying new fishing lures, right? <laughs> Who shall remain nameless? Because uh, they can rationalize these new fishing lures because it's going to catch that fish. That's right. And they're, they're going to bring home fish for, to feed the family. Exactly. <laughs> the village. That's right. <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, those are good examples where you can kind of make excuses or rationalize it. And you can always find a reason. And remember, we've talked about this before. Like 100% of our decisions goes through the emotional part of our yeah. brain. So if we're not acknowledging that... And we're rationalizing it, then that's where we can get into hot water. Yeah. And Enneagram 7s will use this to find good reasons to justify what they want to do. Yes. So, you know, um, Enneagram 7s, they like the fear of missing out, right? Mm. So um, they will go and shop. They'll go on trips. They'll do... They don't want to be constrained. They'll take a new job. They'll jump from thing to thing. Yeah. Because they can rationalize it in their own mind, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Okay, and then there's reaction formation. So with reaction formation, uh, you actually recognize how you feel. Ooh. But you then choose to behave in the opposite way because that's part of how you cope. So as an example, you might feel angry or frustrated, but you believe that you should not express negative emotions. So you instead choose to react in an overly positive way, or you're going to be extra helpful. So somebody's made you mad. So instead of uh, acknowledging that anger, you're going to be extra nice and extra helpful, or you feel sad. And so sadness in your upbringing or culture is not acceptable. So you'll be extra cheerful. Oh, Okay. So that's reaction formation. So this is an Enneagram one. They use this quite commonly because they scrutinize their impulses and they expect themselves to act perfectly. Mm. Very hard on themselves. They are. Yeah. Right? And Enneagram uh, ones, they're actually in the body center, which is their primary emotion is anger. And if they see anger as a negative, must not experience it, emotion, um, this reaction formation is is tough for yeah. sure because they're not dealing with it and then they're kind of going into a bit of a pretend and then they're carrying the stress of holding on to that anger not good yeah mm-hmm. okay and then there's compartmentalization okay and that's where you kind of separate out all the components of your life into different categories oh i wish so i could you, do this I know. <laughs> so you can avoid conflicting emotions it's kind of like if i keep them all apart somehow it's not going to all come together and i can just then move on with life and that kind of allows us to carry on without facing the anxiety of all of that mm-hmm. um, so this could be um i'm thinking kind of all men but i don't want to be a gender specific person well, uh, but you know i see this that they they 
are able, many men are able to do this. They're able to compartmentalize work and home and other things. So explain that a little bit. Well, um, there is some science behind it, actually. Their their brains, if you compare them to females, and this, of course, is generalization, yes. always. Um, the, the Women's brains have more connections between the different parts of the brain. And so it means that there's information going around. It allows them to multitask better, Sometimes, but it also means that they have a harder time compartmentalizing or shutting it down. Whereas men have the ability to kind of keep things in the place that they it's need. It's kind of like border control. Yeah. You're not going over there. <laughs> You're not going over there, exactly. And they can actually think about nothing, which I've asked them about it. And it's not that they're not thinking about nothing. They're just thinking of nothing of importance. Oh, wow. Yeah. I like that. I know. I wish I could do it more. <laughs> So this can be used by Enneagram 5 to make things less threatening. Mm. So they disconnect from their feelings when they feel hurt. And actually, Enneagram 5s get hurt a lot. Yeah. But what they tend to do is retreat uh. and isolate themselves from the feeling of hurt. And they don't stay in it. So they'll do other things. Um, mm. research, gather information, mm-hmm. do all kinds of other things that keep them away from their feelings. Right. And Enneagram 5s are actually really quite sensitive. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, like you said, when they feel hurt, but instead of dealing with it, they can disconnect. Yeah. Um, and another strategy that uh, Enneagrams 5 use uh, is intellectualization. So instead of um, dealing with, if they're facing a trying situation, they're going to try to remove all emotion from it and just focus on the facts. Um, So as an example, say somebody loses their job and instead of dealing with the sadness or anger or fear of it, they'll kind of go and create a spreadsheet of their financial situation, how much they're getting in their package, and they'll do all this analysis. And that's part of how they cope. So that's something that... um, uh, Enneagrams 5 tend to use. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like I said, other people can as well. So those are some of the more common defense mechanisms. Um, now, we ha- we've we missed a few Enneagram numbers. Yes. So, so I'm going to give... Let's give due time to each one. <laughs> That's right. So Enneagrams 3, some of your favorite defense mechanisms. Uh, one of them is compensation. And that's just overachieving in one area to compensate for failures in another, because failure is a very, very uncomfortable experience for any gram three. So you kind of can overachieve in another to kind of compensate for that. Yeah. And I would say that three sometimes go into avoidance as well. Yes. Because if they know they're not going to be competent in something, they'll avoid it. Mm-hmm. That's true. Because they want to, they want to do well. Yeah, and then they'll rationalize why they're avoiding that thing. That's right. (laughs) Lucky threes. Uh, Another one that threes can use is uh, identification, where you literally take on who you need to be. Now, one of your superpowers is that you can shape shift. It's great because it makes you very adaptable. It makes you get along with all sorts of people. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it can also become a problem when you end up losing your sense of self and identity, and it becomes what um, you need to be in that given situation. So that's Enneagram 3. And I think the other one we didn't address was the 4s. Okay, so 4s. You got some of your favorites as well. Um, Fantasy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's avoiding reality and and the the pain of reality and the 
and the pain of their emotions by kind of retreating into a safe place within their mind. And they can fantasize about how life ought to be and they can kind of get into that imaginative world. And, you know, it is a, a strategy to help them cope because of all the numbers, they can feel things incredibly deeply. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the challenge is that when they kind of get back to looking at reality, reality always falls short. And so yes. then it just reinforces that perpetual state of disappointment. Oh. So fantasy is a strategy that uh, uh, Enneagrams 4 can use. And the other one they can tend to use is introjection. What's that? So instead of projection where I'm projecting it on the outside, uh, I'm taking from the outside inwards. So they, they, and they'll own it as theirs because they're very sensitive. They can pick up on emotions. So if they're sensing some, you know, dark emotions, they can maybe grab it and introject, bring it into them and then own it. You know, there are many um, actors who are Enneagram fours. Yes. And this is what makes them fantastic at their craft mm. because they introject so much that they can take on a character mm-hmm. and make it so believable on screen. Yeah. Yeah. And that is part of their craft, but it comes at a cost exactly. because they, they actually feel it. It's not like they're not feeling it. And sometimes it can lead them into abusive situations because you almost take on the aggression of your abuser. Wow. So that's uh, where it is helping you cope uh, with the enormity of some of what you're experiencing, but it can get you into some challenges. So, well, I'm glad that you brought that up because, you know, referring back to the not enoughness. Yeah. Um, you know, you were able to see where that came from, mm. but also see how it's not working for you. Yeah. So, while it was protecting you, mm-hmm. right, throughout your life, it's also not working for you as well. Yeah. And and I and I want to kind of grow. And I think listeners, if you've been hanging in so far to this episode, thanks for hanging in. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I want as you're listening to really think about this from a place of self compassion. Acknowledge that everyone uses defense mechanisms, and it does serve a reasonable strategy for helping us cope with difficult and uncomfortable experiences. And like I said already, it could help some, it could have helped some of us survive abuse and trauma. So start from that stance of self-compassion. And then because I've said it's an unconscious strategy, you want to bring your DMs from the unconscious to the conscious. And this is going to take time. It's just going to take time. It's habitual patterns you've been using for a long time. So we're going to kind of, um, kind of give you a bit of a roadmap to follow and just recognize that it's going to take time. So first of all, just kind of study the common DMs. Uh, and then as you're listening to it, uh, maybe re-listen to the podcast, do a bit of research online and just start to write down the ones that really resonate with you, especially as you think about your Enneagram number, you know, some of what we've shared. So pick a couple that you know are some of your key ones. And then once you've done that, start to track when they show up in your life and, and, you know, do it on a, daily, weekly basis, whatever, just do a examine and consider when they might've come up. Uh, once you identified the behavior though, really, really important. You want to look at the underlying reasons, like why your defense mechanisms came in play. Cause remember they're there to protect you. Mm-hmm. So what was the uncomfortable experience or emotion that you were trying to manage and see if there's themes. And that could point out to things that need healing in your life things that need to be brought to light, all right? And then 
I would say that the kind of the other piece of it is learning to tolerate the discomfort. So now that you've identified your DMs, you see where it shows up and you understand why, and you've given yourself compassion for the why, you can learn to tolerate it. And we've talked about this in a previous episode on regulating our emotions, which was uh, 57. So I won't go to it, go into it in, at length here, but what we fear experiencing is always a lot bigger in our minds than in reality. So by facing your fears, you actually learn to tolerate the discomfort of your experiences and you're going to find you're going to grow in confidence and resilience and you can handle it. You can do this. Awesome. That's great. Mm. Thank you. So the life coaching tip, um, I think that most of us are aware of how we go about defending ourselves. Um, And I certainly know that I can point to the ones used by the people I live with. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're having some difficulty determining what your DMs are, ask someone you trust and love. Yes. Um, They'll know and they'll tell you. Do you want me to tell you? No. (laughs) (laughs) It's not about you. I know. I I know. know. Uh, At the end of this episode, you can let loose. (laughs) (laughs) So can you think of a recent situation where your defense mechanisms kicked in big time? Mm. Yeah. can you go and just journal that? Like almost like it's a screenplay where you're writing out, you know, how you were feeling, what was going on, how your body language was, what was your voice like, mm. what was your stance, mm-hmm. uh, what were you experiencing physically and emotionally? Yeah. And what would you like to change about that? Mm. That's um, good. You know, how did it work for you and how did it not work for you? Right. And maybe there's somebody that you admire who uh, you admire and respect about the way they handle things. Mm. Um, What is it about their life that you'd like to incorporate into your life? Right. You know, I love to see somebody who handles conflict well and Mm -hmm. healthy. Yes. And, you know, makes it as painless for both parties, Mm. like a win-win. Right. Um, I I admire that so much. So what is it about that that you would like to bring into your life? No, I think that's great. But please remember, you know, it's a process. Mm-hmm. Um, as, you know, we both shared, we, we use these defense mechanisms because they work for us most yes. of the time. Yes. Uh, but they don't work for us. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we want to get healthier. Mm-hmm. So doing this work is really important so that you're growing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So thanks for tuning in and uh, all the best in dealing with your DMs. <laughs> And now I'm going into a therapy session with Mary. That's right. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Fully Lived Life podcast. We hope you found it encouraging and helpful. Be sure to follow or subscribe so that you never miss a new episode. And if you enjoyed our show, please help spread the word by sharing with your friends and family and posting on your social media. Thanks for listening and tune in to our next episode.